Tonight, I invited Yanai to join me in the format for this evening. We're going to talk about a theme, the theme of aloneness. I will talk for part of the time, and Yanai will talk for part of the time. And then there should be also some time to open it up, like we did the other night. And hearing from a few people about their own experience to aloneness, and what the words that we say inspiring you, or what kind of association gets triggered. And we'll do it in the form that we did the other night, in one person speaking at a time, going from one to the next. So we'll talk about relationship to aloneness. And first Jen and I will begin. Well, I'd like to talk initially about what I could describe as my relationship to aloneness as a, a child, an adolescent, and perhaps also while I lived in a more conventional world than I seem to at the moment. And then maybe talk also about my relationship to aloneness now and I think the connections will be clear. Um, Aloneness was something that I didn't really have much sense of. I didn't really use the concept when I was young. But I discovered it quite powerfully one day when I decided to just spend the weekend and go off by myself, something I'd never done before. I was living in a pretty large city and working in a high-powered job. And I was struck by the potency, the immediacy and the scariness of being alone. And I'd never actually realised this existed in my life. But I, in the being alone, I was quite <coughs> concerned to discover that I was seeing things about myself that I didn't actually like. And I looked, and I can look back a bit beyond that time and see that for a lot of my younger life, aloneness was something I was very, very frightened of because it was associated with rejection or lack of acceptance. And I spent a lot of time learning behaviours that weren't really my behaviour in order to fit in with other people in order to get acceptance in order not to be alone and I was confronted with this issue by for the first time consciously and intentionally without realising it (laughs) taking myself off on my own into the into the forest of the the Coromandel region of New Zealand and really just seeing what it meant to be by myself. It was it was quite quite a shock to discover that. 
And it raised two, well, one particular question there was, do I, am I dependent on other people in order to be happy? Because suddenly, on my own, I found that I didn't feel very happy. And the other question it raised, and this was even more interesting in some ways, was, of what I do now, how much of it in my behaviour is based on copying other people in order to fit in with them so I'm not alone? And that, um, that was one of the key factors in my decision to, to travel through my own country and through Asia alone over a, quite an extended period where I intentionally wanted to see how I would be if no one knew me. The aloneness really was an opportunity then to see who am I? Because if I'm always doing things because I want to fit in with someone, maybe that's not really me. Or I'm scared of what someone I know will say or think of me. And one thing that I discovered in doing that was that aloneness could be incredibly freeing. Because actually, if I could just let go of being concerned about what other people thought about me, because actually I was never going to see them again, <laughs> it wasn't that hard, travelling day by day, that loneliness allowed me to live in a very spontaneous way. Not loneliness, sorry, aloneness. And there's a, a quote which I think sort of sums it, well, very briefly, says that you are who you are when you are alone, when no one else is looking. Now, some of what I discovered in that, <laughs> I wasn't particularly pleased to discover. <laughs> because some of the things I saw of who I was were things which actually... I didn't want to be. So that was a relationship to aloneness which initially was based on on fear of it. But then also coming to some appreciation of the possibilities if I could conquer that fear and that possibility based on a, a degree of self-sufficiency and self-reliance that actually if I could learn to be happy with being alone then I wasn't in the position of being coerced or pressured into being other than as I really was or living in a way that was contrary to what I really believed in and for me one of the biggest conflicts of my adolescence was finding myself with a very clear picture of what I believed in and constraints that forced me to live otherwise, it seemed. And when I decided that actually it was okay if people didn't like the way I was, it was okay to be alone, that was an incredible release. So in those travels I came across this practice meditation practice, these teachings, the Dharma. And I've very carefully again looked at aloneness in that time. What it means to be alone to me now is something of a benediction. It's a 
a freedom that's more than just the freedom to be on my own and to do what I like or be as I feel. And it's partly bound up with the question of who is alone. I think facing the question of who is alone and who is it alone with or who's alone with it maybe the same question it's come to seem that aloneness or being lonely that aspect of aloneness is for me it seems to be based on a very restrictive way of looking at who I am and in one sense for myself and I guess for all of us our experience is unique no one can ever know what it feels like to feel what I feel right now or (coughs) at any other time and that seems to make it as though I'm I'm apart from others aloneness seems to be a, a lack of someone or something who is the same but it's also become clear that while that is true no one will be there inside my experience when I die I will be alone in that sense it's also very true that the fact of experiencing is common and that is clear to me that everyone will be alone with their experience when they die and that sense of the experience-ing being common rather than the fact of the experiences being different or in some ways not quite communicable to me reveals a, a very strong connection and aloneness And the accepting of aloneness is a, it seems, for me, it's been a prerequisite to opening to a sense of connectedness. But if I am in a situation where I cannot accept my aloneness, that I'm in a situation where I'm reacting against it because it's, difficult or because there are no sort of of none of the positive feedback mechanisms that I'm used to receiving from the people I'm in contact with and this is the environment of a silent retreat in which there aren't those feedback mechanisms that tell me who I am tell me that I'm okay if I'm in a reaction to that then and the first time it happened I was (laughs) and not just the first time um the tendency was to get very busy, to find things to do, to not actually look and face that uncomfortableness with being alone. And only through spending a lot of time with being alone and becoming comfortable with it, it ceases to become an obstacle. In fact, it, as I said, becomes a friend and a benediction. And being open to that, lack of being supported and reflected is a real vehicle for opening it has been for me that 
to be alone and to be at ease with it has a level that goes beyond just myself, this human being, not talking or being with any others. It actually also goes to the level of a very moment-to-moment consciousness in which when and insofar consciousness isn't dependent on having a, a particular object or experience in which to affirm itself or support itself that in a sense the moment through moment to moment consciousness can also be alone that it's not seeking for something in which to take comfort in the usual avenue being pleasure or the avoidance of the difficult that moment-to-moment aloneness invites a space and a, a stillness where reactivity and unsatisfactoriness really don't seem to have any hold. And for me, the sense of being truly alone has has come to mean really being no thing, being no thing, not identified with anything, any experience, any content of my consciousness. And in that, not being any of the things that I could be, the aloneness seems to embrace them all. So there seems to be something of a paradox in that for me being truly alone in fact reveals that it's not possible to be alone that when there is the the seeing that stands without having a centre that is really independent in a moment to moment way It, it embraces it embraces all of life and the yeah the the, the state of being alone is only really, it seems, possible in that sense for me of what I've described as being truly alone not bound up in any specific thing because to be with a thing is to be in a relationship to it, to be not alone in a moment to moment level that is um, there is the the connection there that it's only possible to have that way of relating it seems or in my experience how I've experienced that is there is a a oneness in that an undividedness 
in that way of being which allows for really no possibility of another there's nothing other than and in a sense therefore yes one is alone because there's nothing else but in another sense that makes it a little bit ridiculous to talk about being alone because alone from what? it's the embrace of all things in the aloneness really means that it it's an opening, a connection, that aloneness is an intimate connection with itself I guess, for myself anyway like that'll do There was a teacher who pointed out that alone is very similar to all one. Just add another letter and you get all one. So is there really any difference? retreat form, each of us are left with ourselves. When I'm alone, I'm left with myself. And particularly on a retreat, everything around acts as a mirror, a reflection back. If I'm really left with my own responses and my own reactions and I don't have a way to kind of um, let it out, you know, usually through um, anger or some kind of communication where I can put it back on the other person. I'm really left with myself, left with all these movements inside of myself. And from this, the discovery comes, the learning comes, in a way that can get diluted when I'm in relationship, when I'm interacting with somebody with people. I want to ask the question of what interferes with aloneness? What actually interferes with us resting in this state of aloneness? Feeling at peace in aloneness? Because for me, this is where a lot of my insight has come. What, what what happened that I wasn't able to just rest when I was alone on retreat or at home or wherever I was by myself why couldn't I just rest one thing I realized was that when I take time for myself there would often be a feeling of guilt or a sense of selfishness on taking time for myself And this came up also in our group, the sense of, well, is this a selfish intention, a selfish act, if I'm taking time for myself? And for many, it seems that this has to be sorted out at some level. Can we really be wholly there for ourselves without this sense of guilt or selfishness? I think this is particularly true for for women 
maybe not, but I certainly hear a lot of women talking about this in the sense that we have to take care of others first. You know, take care of the mother, the mother syndrome of taking care, putting myself second, other people first. And then if I'm not doing that, I'm not a good caretaker, I'm not a good parent, or I'm not a good wife, or whatever role that occurs in. I don't, I'm not allowed to put myself first. So I think culturally this is one aspect that needed to be sorted out. And that should, I should be, what I should be doing instead. <laughs> it's a strong message that came in. So what that led to was a possible another interference was what I felt as an attachment to being alone. So that when I did have time to be alone, it was so precious that I felt like I was going to lose it. So that there wasn't a sense of just being able to rest in that. I felt a certain anxiety or attention like it would be taken away from me. It's not okay that I'm spending this time for myself. And so there would really be a holding on to that and a real sense of not being able to thoroughly enjoy myself when I was alone because I thought the phone would ring or somebody would come in the house or something's going to happen that's going to take this away from me. <laughs> I wasn't really going to be able to have this. And not wanting other people around, a real sense of um, pushing people out so that I could have this precious time to myself. So it wasn't a relaxed relationship. Yeah. Just being able to open to it as it comes and accepting that. But a struggle, kind of a struggling relationship with this time alone. Of course, there is what Yen and I talked about too, that fear of being alone, of what one's going to discover. What am I going to discover about myself? What am I going to see in myself that I don't like or is going to be difficult to face? And I think this is what keeps a lot of people from coming to a place like this. You know, coming to, coming out of a coming out of a, a retreat. There's so many people I talk to when I suggest coming to a retreat. It's the last thing they would want to do <laughs> is come into a silent space and be left with themselves, not ready to face what might they might see in themselves. So there's that can be a real deep fear of the aloneness. I think this is true for so many people. Another thing that came up strong for me, especially on retreats, was a strong sense of not knowing what to do with myself. Not knowing what to do. A real sense of needing to be busy, needing to be active. Sitting still just seems so, such a waste of time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, things need to be done. It's not constructive. You know, real sense of let's get on with things. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I, I know that I got this from my mother because, <laughs> because she can't sit still for a second. Her mind is still for a second. And I see my mother in me a lot when I'm trying to be quiet and trying to be alone. There's this real sense of what needs to be done? Something has to be done. Ready to go. You know, almost a sense of panic. You know, about 
about life, <laughs> life needing to happen. <laughs> and when I was on a three-month course, my first three-month course, there's that period after lunch that's not scheduled. There's, on this retreat, there's a, also another period that's not scheduled. But for me, that would, be, would have been very difficult. For the period after lunch, for an hour, hour and a half, the teachers weren't telling us what to do. <laughs> the rest of the day was pretty well scheduled. There were the sitting periods and walking and sitting and walking. But for that hour, that was one of my most difficult times. What, what do you do after lunch? How do you use that time? I wasn't tired. I wasn't sleepy. Most people went and had a rest. What do I do? So I would really, really be unrelaxed. So I asked the teacher, I said, you know, there's this hour after lunch, what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) How do you fill this time? There's nothing on the schedule. (laughs) And he just said, be still and see what happens. Be still and see what happens. So it's an interesting question. Be still and see what happens. Well, I did that. And it was difficult and it was hard, but I think it was one of the strongest learnings. Just to be still and see what happens. Because I really have learned that I don't need to be doing things to keep myself fulfilled or satisfied. That sense of needing to rush to the next thing, to busy myself, I see that does not give me the fulfillment, the satisfaction that I'm looking for. So it's a kind of renunciation, a letting go, letting go of the old, letting go of the old ways, of the old habits, the old way of being. And really being in the simplicity, the simplicity of just what's happening, just right now. And then that means allowing room for the unexpected. I didn't allow room for the unexpected. I always knew what I was going to do next. (laughs) A sense of busyness. But allowing room for the unexpected for the mysteriousness of things to show themselves, to reveal themselves. And of course, then there's the question that I think Yanai was addressing. Are we really alone? Are we really alone? Stephen Batchelor, who lives in our community here has the title of one of his books as Alone with Others. Alone with Others. And I think this is a really useful phrase to reflect on. Because is one necessarily dependent on the other? Does being alone mean that we're not with others? Or is there a way of being alone even when we're with others? So it brings the question of what true aloneness is. And are we ever alone? 
So perhaps we could open it up and hear some other people's reflections on this. Because my sense is that Yana and I only really touch the small part of this theme of aloneness. And perhaps somebody has something they'd like to share, to offer, on what what you have discovered. What does this sense of being alone mean to you? Whether it's been here, on this retreat, or other times in your life, what do you find about this relationship to being alone? or even how you find it being alone. How is it for you being alone? But um, my ego doesn't get the usual fixes. Um, I've been on retreats before, but not silent ones. Mm. And I realise that a lot of the time I'm being clever or funny or entertaining or whatever. And when you're talking about reflections, I really began to understand then that a lot of my life I only feel I exist when I'm getting feedback mm. initially from parents being clever at school and bringing home gold stars you know and if you kept bringing home gold stars you kept getting praise so you could exist and then in adult life being in a clever profession and being professional and good at my job or whatever with friends making people laugh so it gave you a sense of of being clever or being interesting oh I've done this or I go to that and somewhere like this all those things stopped and I realised how much I depend on those which is why when I'm at home and I'm alone when I shut the door then I fall to bits (laughs) (laughs) and so I'm quite pleased with myself that I've come here and have (laughs) I'm a bit shaky, but I haven't completely fallen a bit. Because in the outside world, I've always kept performing and achieving and being to get the feedback. And then when I don't have that, I disintegrate. And so I'm quite pleased here that I haven't. (laughs) So maybe I'll be able to do more. It was like an addiction. I had to get a, a fix of justification or approval. And I still feel that here a bit, but mm. not so much. <laughs> so I'm grateful for the opportunity. Mm. Yes, I think this is an important point about the 
how we get feedback and how much we depend on that in our usual daily interactions with a sense of identity of how we know ourselves to how other people are responding but here that drops away and you can notice people mention this in the in the interviews as well it's like oh, I really miss the contact I really miss the interactions of looking for somebody to say hello to or smile to mm. Mm. and not that that's all bad I mean that's part of being human however there's also that other element are we dependent on it for our happiness for a sense of self self-confidence self-acceptance yeah, I'm glad you brought that up some sense of how that chatter is actually given how to sustain some conditions for closing off mm. shutting down your heart
a phrase came to me this afternoon was um, I can't run away from myself and um, I think to some extent that's not a, a great degree but I, I sometimes I expect from retreat when I come on retreat I'm going to like assume a different sort of space than I am for everyday life and um, sort of common frustrations, irritations or anger won't be present I'll be able to um, and I just exist in a maybe more silent, precious, calm um, space and um, actually come on retreat and realise I mean this has happened before so that I can't run away from that that um, things do surface something but even if it's a memory of something suddenly all the feelings can associated feelings can be there and um, and just as powerfully sometimes as well you know and um, but very much feeling this thing that all I'm seeing is what's happening inside me I just, I think I'm going to clue what's going on in other people's um, lives and their heads and whatever um, and but how much I like to believe that I really do. I, you know, create a whole new story around. around <laughs> and take um, it, you know, almost, well, believe in it. Um, and just being left with myself. But also, uh, the other thing was the open time. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, just this morning I was thinking, thank God all days not open time. <laughs> Because, um, <coughs> you know, to be a week, like, oh, now there's a meditation crater, I've got to do And, um, and I'm thinking tomorrow I should just spend a whole day on <laughs> it, <laughs> nothing. But, um, Maybe that's why I put it into the schedule. <laughs> because yeah. I found it so difficult. <laughs> well, I know that in previous retreats that I've been on, one in particular that had they had an open period in the morning and the afternoon. It, it was really incredible just that they had um, to let everything, absolutely everything go and then see what happened. And so, yeah, I found that really something. Yeah, you know, even me sitting in a meditation posture. What? <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> and see what happens. Facing the unknown. <laughs> Something seems so terrifying about that. I'd like to say something. Uh, in a way, aloneness is not something I find very difficult because I've had it most of my own life. It's something that's very familiar to me. So I, <laughs> I find it quite hard to uh, connect with what you both said. Um, 
But the difficulty I have is actually not being alone, being connected with people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very used to my own company. I find it very easy to be here by myself. I find it much more difficult to be connected with people. That's, that's what feels dangerous. Mm-hmm. Being alone feels very safe. Yeah, the other side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see a few nods. Agreement. <laughs> <laughs>
When I was 16 or 17, I always had this dream when I would be for a long period all on my own, something amazing would happen, something fantastic would happen. But I never realized it because I got married and lived in communities and always with people. And then later I, I did this and I lived like for one and a half year, like, um, <laughs> and now all on my own and it really happened like it was just like finding out where I come from and just everything which seemed to fulfill me and then later I became a sannyasi and I thought I was in a total beautiful balanced space and I could go on till I die always being alone and happy and there was this break in all of a sudden when I got close with people, feeling how much I had built a world for myself, which felt totally perfect and beautiful, but something was missing, and it was the love of people. And then, over many years experiencing this so intensely, and I was just reflecting because I had. Uh, these two extremes in my life and why I feel lonely in my life now. And I think it's mainly because something happened that I don't trust myself in the moment. So I don't have the self-love to go out and service with others. Like something is not in tune. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.